contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Really special edition here. Two parts. Dave Zirin is a writer at The Nation. He has done books all about different things, such as the Brazil Olympics. He has spent time with Colin Kaepernick, and he was a key part of the rally last week at NFL headquarters about Colin Kaepernick. I asked him about what that rally meant. Would it have been better to do at the teams? What was the impact? And kind of a bigger story than Colin Kaepernick, the football player, what has been happening around that Dave spent time with Colin, and very few people have, and talks about his message maybe even being bigger without Colin speaking. And then, of course, he's got a new book project related to this is really going to be interesting. So Dave Zirin, coming up first, a word from our sponsor, it's Harry's. Harry's is changing the way we shave. It's all about a great shave at a fair price. There's two guys, Jeff and Andy. These were two guys fed up with the overpriced razors that you and I deal with so often. They bought their own factory They had all this blade-making experience to make it the highest quality. They offer blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor. They sell directly to you over the Internet. They don't deal with any middlemen. I love it. It gives you a close, comfortable shave. Never have a cut. The fragrant aftershave is great. Not too feminine. Really a nice shave, a nice masculine scent to it. So you can get your free offer from Harry's. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. You just cover the shipping, and here's what you get. You get a weighted ergonomic razor handle. You get five precision-engineered blades, lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get a rich lathering shave gel, and you get this travel blade cover that goes with you wherever you go. Get your free trial, harrys.com slash sports. That's all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S, right now. That's harrys.com slash sports, S-P-O-R-T-S, all caps. Harry's changing the way we shave. Welcome, Dave Zirin. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I want to have you. I mean, we could talk forever about a lot of issues, but in the news now, of course, Callan Kaepernick. Uh, last week, as we uh, released this on Monday, last week was a rally for Callan Kaepernick that you were involved with. I'll just sort of let you have a landscape here. Tell me what the purpose of the rally was, how you felt it went, and uh, whether there's possibility to affect change through that in your mind. That's remarkable. I mean, I mean, the, the one part of that question I can answer for sure is that I thought it went fantastically. I mean, I was hoping for two or three hundred people to show up, and it was more like two to three thousand. I think ESPN said the low one thousand. Um, I think that's a little low, and I gotta imagine this as well. I mean, this is fiftieth and Park Avenue. Uh, which if you know New York City, you know, especially at around 5 p.m., you know, this is the part of New York where it's just like like no other city on earth in terms of the rush of people getting off work. That's a business area of New York City, not residential, right. um, very wealthy, a lot of banks, narrow sidewalks. So just the crush of people going back and forth on the sidewalk while we have 2,000-plus people on the promenade in front of NFL headquarters at 345 Park Avenue. I mean, it was really like a, just a remarkable scene in and of itself. Because it, it really did make it feel like even much bigger than it was. And, and, had, and sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but how, oh, sure, sure. How, how did it happen? I know, you know, we saw tweets and, and stuff from, from Spike Lee, but he said he wasn't the, the organizer. Yeah. So, so tell me how organically this, this seemed to happen. 
Yeah, that was so funny to me. When I had people ask me all these questions about like the Spike Lee march or the Spike yeah, Lee rally right. or Spike Lee calling this, and Spike Lee was like, I, I have nothing to do with this, really. I just retweeted this because I thought, and Spike Lee was not there. Um, no, this was organized by groups like the NAACP, uh, the Color of Change. Um, it was organized by various uh, church groups in the area. It was organized by a local radio station. I mean, it really was a, gr- a very diverse, uh, or like grassroots New York City groups. And, I mean, it's, it was interesting because even though there were some celebrities sort of milling about, like three or four, all the speakers were like grassroots activist types, right. like local city council people, uh, people who were involved in organizing the Women's March, like Tamika Mallory, I mean, it, it was it was really interesting how grassroots it felt. It did, that, that was one of like I, I was asked to sponsor it and speak. I wasn't part of the um, organic New York City based outreach organizing. I did some stuff on social media for it. I live in the D.C. area, and I was both um, surprised and thrilled that it felt like a real rally and not like something that was sort of organized from above to be kind of a photo op. But it felt like something that people really were coming out organically because they wanted not just to support Colin Kaepernick, and that's kind of the most important piece to this. Uh, I don't think the rally would have been nearly as big if Charlottesville hadn't happened and if Trump's rally in Phoenix last week hadn't happened. Right. Because um, the speakers spoke about, like, look, all right, this is Trump's America here. Are we going to have the right to resist in Trump's America or are we going to lose our jobs? Uh, and so Colin Kaepernick becomes the symbol in this case of the idea that resistance is something that will, met, will be met with punishment. And so that's, that was the vibe there that people were speaking about. And also, you know, there, there was a, a condemnation of the National Football League that went uh, beyond Colin Kaepernick that spoke about issues like, like head injuries, like minority hiring. Uh, like the idea of community investment of the National Football League. There were a lot of talks about, about boycotts. The NAACP has already called one. Um, that met with raucous cheers. And so it's like, what, what will this accomplish? That was the, the third right. part of the question. And, I mean, honestly, this I do not know. I certainly don't think it's going to be one of the things that gets Colin Kaepernick a roster spot. I don't think that's it. But will it be the sort of thing that uh, brings Roger Goodell to the table to speak about these issues of, of minority hiring in the National Football League, of black representation and ownership? Um, maybe. Maybe it could uh, lead to something like that. And if, if that happens, I mean, that's, that, that, that's a social good. And, and, I mean, and I don't know if, if that necessarily will result, uh, but, but it, was, it was a powerful display, if nothing else, of kind of opening people's eyes to what's out there. And when you do something like this, that's this big on 50th and Park Avenue, when ESPN puts clips up on their website of different speakers, I mean, you're, you're reaching people with a message and using the platform of sports, leveraging the platform of sports to reach people with a message who maybe they're not having this conversation, but you're bringing the conversation into those spaces. And that is also what I think Colin Kaepernick's greatest victory of the last year has been, which is bringing these conversations into spaces where they otherwise uh, did not exist. I agree with that. And and it's really interesting to hear you talk about issues beyond Kaepernick. I guess the question I have when you bring it down to him as a player, and this is what people tend to focus on so Mm -hmm. much, is not having a job and the drumbeat when a quarterback gets hurt or a quarterback plays poorly, why aren't they signing Kaepernick? In terms of, of 
the rally at the league. Now, I understand it's easier one than 32, but having been in the yeah. league for to work for a team mm-hmm. for 10 years, it comes from the team in terms of signing these players. Yep. And you and I can debate whether the league has influence over teams or not, but was there a oh, conscious I, decision made to sort of not do the teams? I mean, I'm thinking a couple of weeks ago was Steve Bichotti and the Ravens saying, we're thinking about Kaepernick, pray for us, and and all these other teams yeah. kind of deciding against it. Was it just sort of a, uh, a more bang for the buck to go with the league than to, to actually talk about the teams here? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think we would debate about that at all. Okay. I mean, I think there's a big difference between – the National Football League and the NBA is I really do believe that if, say, there was a parallel situation in the NBA, um, Adam Silver, it's so interesting. Like, what is power when you mm-hmm. talk about a league commissioner? What is influence? What is uh, the amount of pressure that they're actually able to exert? I mean, that's kind of a fungible question, and it's it's, it's a kind of an abstract question. It's like uh, that line from the movie Miller's Crossing where a character underling says to a mob boss, uh, you only run this town because people think you run it. The minute they stop thinking it, you stop running it. <laughs> like Adam Silver runs the NBA in a way that I truly do believe he has the actual power to call up a couple of teams and say, hey, this is actually kind of embarrassing for the league that huh. this person who clearly has the ability to be on a roster is not on a roster. Get your head out of your butt and sign this guy. And that, that call would be taken in the NBA and taken very seriously. I don't think Roger Goodell has that kind of hand in the NFL to make that happen. That's my assessment of his power relative to ownership in the NFL. Now, as far as like where a rally would actually work or not, yeah, that means a rally at the NFL offices to say Kaepernick should have a job that's not necessarily going to move the needle. But maybe because, you mentioned the bang for your buck issue, maybe because it happens on 50th and Park Avenue in the arguably media capital of the world. I mean, people just like, I mean, we're talking like, you know where the NFL offices are. I mean, it's a five-minute walk from all the major news networks with New York offices. I mean, and I I saw so many media folks like kind of milling about, getting a, who knows if that has much more of a ripple effect than, say, us doing a rally right off MLK Boulevard in Baltimore right. uh, to tell Steve Bashotti to sign Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I think we do agree on, on sort of the power of, at least in football, the commissioner versus the teams. There's mm-hmm. always this league versus team dynamic. I always talk about the combine, mm-hmm. and they don't invite Joe Mixon because of domestic violence. They don't invite this guy. They don't invite that guy. What do the teams do? <laughs> they draft them anyway. You know, the league can only yeah. do so much with their policies. The teams are going to do what they do. Now, this is working, I guess, in opposite effect with Kaepernick. Do you agree with this statement that Colin Kaepernick is a much bigger story unsigned than he is signed? Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'm so sorry if, 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 if there was the expectation that we would debate this stuff through. <laughs> but um, no. I'm in total agreement with that. Um, because, and I'll, I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, I, one of the talking points that I think is an absolute absurdity, and I, I, I don't even think the people who make it are necessarily sincere. I can't believe like experienced media members who follow the NFL would make this argument sincerely. Like people who say that if Colin Kaepernick was signed by a team, the distraction factor would be so overwhelming 
that the team wouldn't be able to go about its normal functioning duties. I think anybody who yeah. follows the NFL knows that it's a million tempests in a million teapots. It would be a huge story for 24 to maybe 72 hours. Right. It would be a huge story until the next Ezekiel Elliott news happens. Right. It would be a huge story until the next, whatever you want to call it, arrest, quarterback controversy, whatever. I mean, the NFL is a soap opera for dudes. And the next time <laughs> something happens that's soap operatic, people would just, the attention would move there. I think that's especially the case because of what Colin Kaepernick has said about like if he signed with a team, that he would do his politics on his own time. And he is extremely politically active off the field. He doesn't need the anthem protests anymore in a weird way. And this comes from talking to Colin and talking to people around him. He kind of needed those protests to get out of his shell and be the person who he was on the inside externally. And it was only through that that he found this other kind of work, this community work, which I know brings him a great deal of joy. Like he doesn't need it the way maybe some of these players actually need to do it as a way to publicly express. I don't think it would be a story at all after a week, which also I think, and I think a lot of NFL teams know that too, which feeds the idea that if he is going to get signed, it probably would be a situation where we're a couple weeks into the season and people would, it would be like a, literally a passing story because then you would have all the drama of Sundays and that would then overtake uh, the, the Kaepernick narrative of whatever that happened to be. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so, and so to, I'm sorry, I went a little bit of a field of your question, which no. was, um, is it a bigger story with him not on a team? And I think, yes, absolutely. Because he has not been signed because no team other than Seattle has legitimately brought him in to work him out uh, because of this. It makes him, in my estimation, the most important pro football player in the United States right now. And he just happens to not have an NFL team. There's no other player who you could have brought out what we saw last week in New York City. I mean, the passion that was involved for this guy, the number of jerseys that people were wearing, the homemade T-shirts that people were wearing. I mean, it's like... I mean, I, you, you even try to think of like a comparable thing in sports history that it compares to. And I'm in no way saying that these are the same things, but it does make me think about like the, the pro Muhammad Ali rallies that took place outside of right. Madison Square Garden when he went against Joe Frazier at the fight of the century. I mean, or when Muhammad Ali went and kind of stalked Joe Frazier when Frazier was training in Philadelphia. And then all these people came out into the streets and even though Frazier was a Philadelphia guy, they were all cheering for Ali to whoop him in this public field right by Frazier's gym. Like, those are the only stories to me that I can find in terms of historical parallel uh, for, the, for this passion that people have for this player. We'll get back to Dave Zion for part two. Part one's been sponsored by BetDSI.com. It's been in business for over 20 years, paying winners. It's A-plus rated on all the sportsbook review sites. It's an easy-to-use mobile playing interface, play and get paid. It offers odds on pretty much everything, not only football, but all sports. Of course, politics, too, reality TV, pretty much everything you want to bet on. It's right there on BetDSI.com. To play, use promo code BUSINESS25. BUSINESS25, you get $25 free wager just for registering. I play there myself. I recommend BetDSI. If you want to add a little excitement to the games you're watching, go to BetDSI.com. Use promo code BUSINESS25. You get a free $25 wager on the house. 200% extra bonus when you deposit. 
Again, Business 25, you get your free wager. Start winning today on BetDSI.com. I can speak to when I was consulting with the Eagles, we signed Michael Vick out of prison, and mm-hmm. we had 50 protesters the first day, 20 the second day, the third day, there was mm-hmm. one, one woman there, and it just moved on. And everyone right. moved on, and Michael Vick was a non-story, especially as a backup quarterback. I guess that begs the question, Dave, Do if and when he signs, and let's assume it happens, does this... What what's the word? Does this activist movement it lessen? Yes, it's not only lessened, but is it is it muted? I guess the question is it muted? Does the light turn down on it a little yeah. bit? That is interesting question, and, I, and I'll tell you, um, I, I've been talking. I'm doing a book right now with with Michael Bennett, and uh-huh. that's given me access to a bunch of these players who are sitting right now during the anthem. And when you speak to them about why, uh, with every player, it's a different percentage. But there's the Kaepernick aspect, where players feel legitimately offended of this idea that, okay, so they don't sign Kaepernick, and they think that's going to shut me up. So there, there's that almost like you're, they're, they're affronted by this idea that their silence has somehow been coerced. But much bigger than that is issues like Charlottesville and Donald Trump mm. and the, 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 the sight of, of Nazis marching in the street and the sight of the torches and the, the, the young girl who lost her life. These things really, really have resonated with these players to think that, okay, silence is really not an option for us at this time. And in a way, Kaepernick is an inspiration to, to that, but he's also in a parallel space to that. Like, I think if things were placid on the domestic front, I have real doubts whether you'd see players beyond, say, Michael Bennett, who considers Colin like a close personal friend, or Malcolm Jenkins, who's Mm -hmm. shown a commitment around these issues that goes back years. I don't think you would see much beyond, like, a very small group of players. It's interesting. And I guess this also brings up the question, and (laughs) this is where you and I may have a debate, on sort of the talent versus activism Uh, You know, I think people sometimes forget that Colin Kaepernick did what he did, at least in terms of anthem protests, and remained on a team for an entire season. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins doing what he's doing, and I've had Malcolm on the podcast, and and Michael Bennett, they're not in danger of losing their jobs. And, and, you know, if pick a starting quarterback out there did what Colin Kaepernick did, I don't think he'd be in danger of losing his, his job. So... I guess my point is that this is all related. Uh, Colin Kaepernick as a backup is a different model than Colin Kaepernick as a starter. And I think that's all affected as to why he doesn't have a job coordinating that, coordinating that with everything else going on around him. Well, it's so interesting. And I mean, because I think we could both point to NFL cities where Colin Kaepernick could very well be competing for a job. Uh, with, with Jacksonville just being the latest example, that wasn't even really on the radar about a month ago. But we've got several teams where he would be competing for a job. And we also, when we have this discussion, as I know you know, that Colin Kaepernick had something of a comeback year last year mm-hmm. on a terrible team. Uh, his best quarterback rating since 2012, 16 touchdowns, four picks. and And then there's this, incredible statistic that I believe was unearthed by Mike Freeman, which is really remarkable that 
29-year-old quarterbacks who threw 300 passes in the NFL, every sing- in the history of the NFL, every single one had a job the next year except for Colin Kaepernick. I mean, that's just stunning. You'd think at least one would have been hit by lightning or something. Uh, but, but no, he's the, he's the only one. And, and so it's also interesting, too, because the thing about Michael Bennett and Malcolm Jenkins also is this idea of not being a quarterback. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking some of what I'm about to say from observations I've heard other writers make, but it's fascinating how when, when I was growing up and when you were growing up as well, yeah. there were several NFL positions that you would think of as that was like an icon who was the face of a franchise. I mean, I grew up in the New York City of Lawrence Taylor and Go-Go Gastineau, you know what I'm saying? Right. And the sack exchange. I mean, Joe Klecko was as famous as anybody, and Lawrence Taylor was, was a god, and Harry Carson was a god, and of course, growing up with people like Walter Payton, I mean, I mean the, the icon factor of a Walter right. Payton can't be described, and then we haven't even gotten into like the defense of the Bears and things like that. You look at the NFL today, and it's really the quarterback as far as who's the recognizable face of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's a decent chance that if Le'Veon Bell, whose game I love, there's a decent chance that if he knocked on my door, I would say yes and have no idea who it was right. and on site. While if Lawrence Taylor even now knocked on my door, I, my, my knees would get weak, you know? Right. And, and so I think there's this thing now, and we could debate about why I've heard people make very, uh, like, like, like I've heard people make racial analyses of why this is the case, but, right, but, but either way, the quarterback is the face of an organization like never before. And owners, not all of them, but they tend to have politics that are not where Colin Kaepernick's politics are. Right. And I think we would be remiss to not see that in part of the equation where they might say, like, say Colin Kaepernick was a backup defensive end. Um, there might be like, okay, we can endure that with that level of skill level, but not the quarterback position, not the face of the franchise. I think I, I, you know, we share some of the frustration. What's out there? I hear people say, "Well, Colin Kaepernick should speak." Colin Kaepernick should say he wants to play football. It was before free agency when I was doing a story on with with outside the lines about Colin Kaepernick. Just said that he will not uh, do these anthem protests as he began free agency. I mean, this has been out there for a while. Right. I mean, you've spent time with him. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you think he should speak? Do you think his message is louder if he talks about how much he plays? Which, again, I think is so implicit, it's ridiculous to ask that. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful in the part of him not speaking. Mm -hmm. Because he and the people around him really do believe that, that to speak implies that he's in that Michael Vick category of somebody who needs to explain themselves someone who it's almost even if you say i have no regrets about what i did the mere fact of speaking the mere fact of going on with bob costas and opening your heart and telling the fans how much you miss them and how much you want to play there's something implicit there that says i did something wrong and now i need to win you back and as long as he doesn't believe that he did something wrong he thinks the asking of him to speak is it's just not acceptable and he's like, I, I, this is about playing. And I do believe that my play did the talking for me. And it's done the talking for me in my career. And how can this not get me 
you know, a nice series of at least camp invites to come in and see what I can do. I mean, it is true that he's in the, the best shape of his life. I'm not saying that as a PR guy, like it, mm-hmm. it's apparent when you see him, it's absurd. And I, even when he went to Africa on a much publicized trip, uh, I interviewed somebody who went there with him on the July 4th trip that he did to Ghana. He's up at 5 a.m. I mean, doing sprints and workouts and dips and throwing the ball. I mean, it's a, the, the commitment is there. You don't do that if you're not interested in trying to get a job. But the speaking part is something that he, he's drawing the line on. And I also think that it just becomes so much more powerful. Like at the rally, like he, it would have been very easy for him to like send words of thanks to right. the rally. You know what I'm saying? But there's something powerful about him not doing that and letting the situation speak for itself. Also, I got to just throw in, I got to throw in that, like, you know, that if he did speak, it's one of those things where if he did speak out, he would be attacked anyway. Like, ah, this (laughs) is just about publicity, all this stuff. I mean, there's, there's this aspect of the media cycle that he understands that for some people there, there will be no winning. Well, the thing that's impressed me all along about Kaepernick is putting his money where his mouth is and the donations that he's made. I've donated myself. I just think when you can help young people, when you can make a difference in young people's lives, no matter what you do, I, j- I just think it's so important. And we're in a we're in a league. Roger Goodell has made conduct so important as a role model. And sometimes yeah. that's that gets lost in this discussion. Now, listen, I'm being totally supportive here. I can't defend the pig faces on on the socks mm-hmm. or some of that stuff. But I think I look at it as a whole, and and, and this guy is doing good. And, yeah, and I think it's yeah. Go ahead. Just to say that that there's um, this aspect of it as well, where I, I I tend to be forgiving to the individual statements that that have been criticized. But I think one of the things that we also saw last year under the brightest possible microscope was somebody who was figuring out figuring it out as he went along. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't the case. Like someone once told me the smartest thing I've ever heard where he said, like, when you talk about Muhammad Ali, the biggest mistake you can make is to speak about him as if he was Malcolm X with a good left hook. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's like this idea that he's this political theorist who spent 20 years reading encyclopedias and then said, okay, I'm ready to speak. That's not who he was. Like he was operating on such a tightrope that there is like, to me, like a, a forgiving aspect all of that stuff because it's like wow this could have gone sideways a million different ways with everybody looking for every misstep to go after him sometimes we do lose sight I mean having been around athletes my whole life we live of their age and their life experience and sometimes we Mm. expect so much to come out of their mouths at such a young age you put any of us out there at that age we're talking you know we're talking about uh, we're talking about high school dances or whatever we're talking about so it's completely yeah. different, and I, I get that. Um, well, la- last couple of questions: your time you spent with him. What was the overwhelming takeaway you had? And maybe you've already discussed it. Oh no, no, no! I'm happy to talk about that. The, the overwhelming takeaway, and I, I want to say this in a way that sounds objective and measured and distance, but there's no other way to put it. The overwhelming takeaway is how not anxious he was mm-hmm. about all of this. I mean, I'm not joking around. Like, like one of the coolest cucumbers I have ever met is Colin Kaepernick. 
I mean, and we, we talked about some serious stuff. I saw him interact with hundreds of kids from the south and west side of Chicago and see the whole thing. Just cool, giving, asking people a ton of questions, soft-spoken. It made me understand why the teammates and the coaches all swear by him and why he got was voted the Len Eshmont Courage Award. Like, it made me get all that by, by being around him. Like, like that whole stereotype about what you want the quarterback to be. And you know this very well. Like, oftentimes that's not the case, that right. the quarterback is not the leader in the locker room. If anything, they're in their own space. But so it's actually more rare than people think that the quarterback is the locker room leader. But this guy actually was that rare commodity, and I, and I saw why. It made me really think of this famous quote after the Muhammad Ali summit where, you know, the famous photo with Bill Russell right. and Ali and Jim Brown and Lou Alcindor and all the players where Bill Russell was asked afterwards if he was worried about Muhammad Ali. And he said, I'm not worried about Muhammad Ali. I'm worried about the rest of us. It's kind of like what I what I walked away thinking. It's like, all right, you know, there are a lot of things to worry about in this world, but this guy is not one of them. He, he's doing just fine. And do you think that's sort of this preternatural chill that he has, or there's just a a sense of comfort in in the stance he's taken and what he's put out there, and no one's going to get to him. No one's going to sort of uh, break up his tranquility. Yeah, I never had interactions with him in years past, so, yeah. I, so I, can't, I can't do that kind of compare and contrast. Like, what was he like at Nevada? What was he like when he was, you know, kissing his biceps in the end zone and a lightning rod for having tattoos, you know, and remember all that, which mm-hmm. seems like forever ago, the idea that it would be controversial to have tattoos and be a quarterback. Um, that would be the old Colin Kaepernick controversy. <laughs> seems so innocent now. Um, but, but I can say that I think – from talking to him, what he said, I even said to him, it's like, dang, you are, you seem just so chill with all this. This is like this raging firestorm and you're this just, you know, feet on the ground. And he said it was, it was all about the work, you know, mm-hmm. like, like working with kids, especially cause we, when we were talking, we'd just come off eight hours with hundreds of these kids and he had time for each one. And so, and just like afterwards, he was just like so comfortable in that space and so comfortable in his skin that it was, it just was what it was. I mean, he was happy being himself at this point in his life. He's been the most talked about player in the NFL now for two years, I think. And in an age where you have, you know, people like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and all these superstars, it's a player that didn't start last year until he was forced to through injury and is not even signed this year. It's really, it's really a testament to, uh, (sighs) what effect he's had and what times we live in, as you've mentioned. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's both, certainly. I'd be remiss if I didn't let you go ask a little more about this book you're working on with Michael Bennett. Tell us about the project. My goodness. Uh, Michael Bennett is, is really something else. Um, I'm going to get your listeners know who he is. Yep. Cole Bowler from Seattle. Uh, very outspoken, of course. Hilarious person. I mean, there are whole websites devoted to best Michael Bennett quotes. And you could just read them on your phone and laugh <laughs> if you want to. But, um, but I, you know, I met Michael and we struck up a friendship. And he just was like, I really want to do this book. Will you do it with me? He read a book I wrote, uh, a memoir of John Carlos from the 68 Olympics. Right. He wanted to do something like that. And, um, and it's his title of the book. He wants to call it Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. So I guess I'm the uncomfortable white person working on it with him. Okay. Um, and, 
<laughs> and although it's been a very comfortable experience to be sure. And it's a book about the NFL politics, life, his background, his relationship with his brother, Martellus, and there's passion for things like food activism, which is pretty interesting and remarkable uh, to his observations about this, what makes the Seattle Seahawks locker room so different and distinct from other locker rooms in the league. So, I mean, I've, I've got really high hopes for the book. Um, he's such an open, honest, funny guy that it's really coming together, and it's been a joy to work on. And when do you think the book will be out? Oh, April. Oh, we got a draft in. We just got to um, pound it out, you know, got to go through the production process, the editing process, but the first draft is done. I'm flying out to Seattle um, in a couple of days for um, us to then just go through it page by page together, sitting over a desk. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how uncomfortable <laughs> that makes <laughs> us. But but as of right now, it's been it's been really smooth. Dave Zyron, what a, what an interesting voice. Really happy to have you on the program talking about your time with Kaepernick and the influence that he's had. And I think he will sign. I'm I'm holding out hope. I think it'll be an injury yeah. uh, an injury replacement sometime. I guessing in the next month. But we'll see. Really appreciate you having on the show, having on the podcast. I invite everyone to follow you on Edge of Sports at Twitter and read your stuff on The Nation. Your podcast is great, too. Thanks so much for being with me. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.